Hello, and welcome to another episode of CBO Speaks. I'm your host, Donna Sheely. Today, we are joined with Sherry Mondu. She's the Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer at the University of Puget Sound. Welcome, Sherry, and thanks for being with us today. Thanks. It's my pleasure. Awesome. All right. So you've been with Puget Sound for how long now? 31 years. Wow. (laughs) That in itself is amazing. Oh, my goodness. So before we get into that, because we definitely are going to talk about that, tell us how you got into this path uh, and how you arrived at higher ed as a career. Well, I had not planned on a career in higher education. I hadn't given it a single thought until I stumbled upon it, I guess. I I started my career in public accounting for what is now PPG, and I loved that. I had a variety of clients. I got to explore the insurance sector. I had hotel clients, a major league baseball franchise, healthcare companies. And so it was super interesting to kind of examine um, the different sectors in the economy, but also to look within the companies and see what kind of cultures uh, there were. So I I love that. It was really eye-opening. And after about three years, uh, one of my clients made me a job offer, which I took, and that led me to working um, in the corporate sector, in corporate offices of publicly traded companies for the next seven years. Uh, I found that to be very fast-paced. I learned an enormous amount, um, but the hours were really quite long, and I could see myself approaching burnout. And I was working in a high-rise in a corporate office. I was really removed from the actual operations and the purposes of these organizations. So um, I had that moment that we sometimes have in life and decided that it was time for a change. So. I thought about what I wanted and thought, I, definitely, I need something interesting. I need something challenging. And I want something to feel more personally connected to. So I actually responded to two ads in the newspaper because, believe it or not, that's how you did it. Most that's days. right. <laughs> a paper newspaper. Mm-hmm. Um, I interviewed uh, for those two jobs and I received uh, two job offers and I had to decide which one to take. So... I'm relatively young at this point. One of the opportunities was to be the controller for a ski resort. And I thought that sounded really fun. I was a skier. Um, I could totally imagine myself being a controller for a ski resort. Um, but the other one was to be the controller for the University of Puget Sound. And um, as I, you know, thought about it and I learned more about the opportunities, um, I guess you know how this turned out. I took the just sound, <laughs> and um, essentially decided to keep my skiing a hobby and try to have a professional career that made you know some kind of difference and had had a deeper purpose. And here I am, thirty one years later, feeling pretty good about that decision. Well, I guess so. My goodness, that's so awesome. So I- I'm figuring you were like ten. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you for that. No, but I mean, my goodness, for being there for 30 years and then still having that career before that is pretty amazing. So, okay, we got to talk about, because obviously you've done several things since you've been at Puget Sound. So talk to us about your initial uh, position and then, you know, how you moved up um, through the years um, since you've been there. 
Yeah. So, um, as I said, I was hired as the controller. And so that's kind of the more typical handling all of the um, financial accounting and reporting and tax and so forth. And of course, that's where my expertise was at the time. But I gradually took on more and more and was given opportunity, which was terrific. So um, along the way, I was promoted to associate VP for finance and um, student accounts and financial aid came into my portfolio. And, um, and then some years later, I had the opportunity to serve as the interim VP for finance and administration. And um, that turned out pretty well. And I was offered the um, ongoing appointment. And at that time, your portfolio explodes, right? It just brought so much. And I took on technology services, human resources, facility services. Um, at the time, it had the student um, career services um, and all of the auxiliary operations. So that move to CBO is a pretty steep learning curve. And the job became much more operational. I still had all the financial responsibility, but there was a lot of fun and a lot of challenge in those operating areas that I, I needed to learn. And then um, most recently, I was promoted to executive vice president um, and CFO. And it was probably a bit more of a title change reflective of the, the way in which I was working at more of a strategic and operational level. But that's my current title uh, uh, at this time. And so currently your por portfolio and your office provides what? What is that umbrella under you now? Um, I have all of the um, financial aspects of the organization, facility services, um, human resources, technology services, and all of our auxiliary operation. Any special project that wanders my way. Okay. <laughs> That's the other duties as a sign that we all have. Right. Oh, my goodness. Well, over the 30, you have a broad perspective. So talk to me about some of the major things that you've seen change as this role. Obviously, you weren't in this role all 30 years, but I know you've seen some major changes in higher ed and, and what CBOs and the finance departments have to do and deal with. What would you say are some of those major changes you've seen over the years? Um, well, I think when I started um, working in higher education as a controller and noticing the CFO as well, it's more of a a traditional role that focused a lot on finances. And I, I used to kind of joke and call my boss, Dr. No, because it's all about, you know, we'd have to say no to so many things because there's possibilities and um, fewer resources, right? Um, I think over time, these roles have changed that we're much more collaborative. We want more input. We are trying to figure out... Um, um, if we have to say no, how to say no, or can we find a different kind of solution? So I part of the job, I, I, you know, it's a, it, it's a problem solving job in many ways. Um, uh, and, you know, as you move through your career, just the breadth of that portfolio and just thinking more and more about the student experience. And that's what we're in the business of student success, right? So I think over the years, you just keep your eye on that. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so someone who's been in for a long time, I know that you're still learning, you're still growing. And what would you say in your current position now that is stretching you professionally? And I know it might possibly, and we can get into the pandemic and the effects of all that too. I'm sure that's part of a challenge that you're dealing with. But what would you say um, is something unique that you know that you're doing right now that's kind of stretching you professionally? Well, I like to say you never know what's going to come up in any day in higher education, right? It's mm-hmm. really interesting. <laughs> and I guess I would just um, start by saying, I think it's good to feel stretched to some degree all the time. Uh, and, you know, I've, I've done this work for a long time. So um, uh, the stretching maybe happens differently. Um, if I had to pick one thing that is stretching us all, it would have to be the pandemic. But if because it's like daily decisions on how to safe and well. But if I had to maybe set that aside, there's some of the things that are just kind of interesting that you have to figure out that you haven't done before. This happens all the time, but just um, maybe a couple of examples of things that come to mind that I'm working on that um, I got to figure out. And one is I'm trying to figure out how we can safely um, hold gifted investments of cryptocurrency, right? Ah, yeah. <laughs> okay. What would that look like? And what kind of policies do we need? And what kind of due diligence do we need? Because we've got, you know, a number of younger donors who are interested in gifting cryptocurrency. We were one of the first colleges in the country to accept a gift like that, uh, but we immediately sold it. We didn't hold it, right? It's very tile. And um, so that's an example of, it's a small thing, but it, Stretches, it stretches me every time I have to figure out something new. And the other one I'm working on right now is um, investigating the possibility of um, implementing a program for student-run businesses. Uh, there are colleges who have done that. I need to you know, track them down, figure out what kind of legal structure and what kind of policies and program working with faculty in, in the business school. Um, it's things like that that, you know, just stretch you every day, um, uh, all the time. Very interesting. Well, let's talk a little bit about the pandemic. I mean, it's it's real. It's in our face. And so what effects are you seeing and still dealing with? I know it's 2022 and we're still talking about it, um, you know, in terms of enrollment and finance, finance and the budget. What effects are you still dealing with now? I think for a place like the University of Puget Sound, that is a small residential liberal arts college where the sense of community and being in person and individualized education, we're, that's what we're known for. So there were some impacts on enrollment when we needed to pivot overnight to uh, remote classes. And so I think a number of schools like us have experienced that and students are wondering, well, if I can't get that in-person experience, do I you know, uh, do I need to take a gap year uh, to consider my plan? So there's a bit of that, but we've all learned how to engage students, faculty, and staff using technology and figuring things out together. Um, and uh, But the impacts for operations are ongoing. We are, you know, we're constantly figuring out what's the right testing protocol, what is the mask protocol, what are isolation and quarantine rules, et cetera, et cetera. And I think all of us, not just higher education, are trying to figure these things out and they're just 
constantly changing. So we, like a lot of other places, instituted an emergency COVID management group. We've got a committee that is essentially the cabinet that considers recommendations and policies and we work communication. It's it's really consuming a lot of our time because it's really important that we keep everyone safe and that we can support these young people in their college experience. I mean, it's kind of unlucky timing for them, right? Yeah. They're not quite having the same experience that um, that, that students were having before the pandemic, but it's still a good experience. That's good. That is so good. Yeah, I know. It has to be tough for them, you know, and, and it, they don't know any different, I guess you could say, you know, for some of them. I know some of the students that are, you know, in the higher, uh, you know, they, they, they can see the difference. I know the incoming students, I'm sure it's probably, you know, yeah, it's probably difficult for both sides, I'm sure. But, um, I want to talk to you about mentorship. You've been doing this for quite some time and I know that, you have a lot of knowledge to share to others. Um, and I'm sure you had some great mentors along the way, too. So talk to me about your philosophy of mentorship, you know, some of your mentors and what you're doing now to bring up the up and coming new CBOs that are that are training and, and ready to get into these roles. I have not had a what I would call a formal mentor, okay. but many mentors had many role models. I've had many people who believed in me and supported me, um, helped me to get to that next position or to wrestle with a problem. Some of the mentoring comes from my, my counterparts at other institutions where we really help each other. So I guess I would say mentoring comes from a lot of different places doesn't have to be formal, although I know there's some very good formal programs. I guess if I look back on my career, one of the things um, that has been the most rewarding is hiring wonderful people, helping them to grow professionally, helping them um, to seek their goals. It, It doesn't, it's not just the people who have worked for me, but just colleagues on campus um, I might seek out or they might approach me and say, hey, I'd, I'd really like to run some things by you. I'm, I'm thinking about my career and where to take it. So those conversations, I think uh, the opportunity is there for all this informal supporting of one another. That we all, I, I just encourage people to take advantage of those informal opportunities as well as formal ones that may present themselves. And let's talk about some of... We talked about challenges now, but over your career, what are some of the lessons learned that, you know, you, you, you learned the hard way, perhaps you had, some, <laughs> you had, you know, some, some mistakes that were probably some great lessons learned. But does one kind of pop out to you where you're thinking, you know what, if I could do that over again? <laughs> oh, that's funny. I, I'm sure there's so many things I could have done better. I, I tend to have this philosophy in life that we are always doing our best and we're constantly learning. So I'm not uh, probably the sort of person that would dwell on, you know, oh, I wish I could do over. But <laughs> when, I, when I first started um, in higher education, it was just so different than the corporate sector. I found I, I didn't understand what shared governance was. Like, okay, just, yeah. 
um, didn't understand that there would be such lengthy committee meetings and such lengthy input processes or input processes at all. So I can remember being in a meeting early, like probably my first year. And I, I may have said out loud, do we really need to keep talking about this? <laughs> I'm sure it was the absolute wrong thing to say, but we had just, you know, beaten this subject down and and we just needed to get on with it. So uh, that was definitely a lesson that I learned and probably one that anyone moving into higher ed for the first time is going to have to grapple with that. And I, my advice would be um, just be patient with the process. It makes in the end, to get this input, to get this buy-in, but um, it's a huge investment of time. Yeah, I was going to say, do you think that it's worth having these long conversations and not just jumping to decisions and actually having those discussions? You feel like, you know, you could see the benefit in that now as opposed to in the corporate when it was just kind of, hey, this is what we're doing, let's go, you know? Yeah, corporate was definitely more top-down, faster, but um, absolutely, I, there is um, so much benefit uh, that comes from shared governance. And so I do think the investment of time is worth it because getting more minds on it, getting different perspectives on issues is critically important. And I mean, I don't know, there's so many times in our lives when we hear a perspective that is so different, it hadn't even occurred to us. So I think Very, very valuable. And it does help to get buy-in when everyone feels heard. We may not all agree, but, you know, giving people the opportunity to advise or to give feedback and weigh in is uh, very valuable and I think makes higher education special. Would you consider that one of the communication and the shared governance, one of the core functions outside, you know, of the basic um, aspects of your job. What would you say um, are some of the things that skills that are needed and that are most important besides those core things that everybody knows that you have to do in finance, you know, in, in terms of um, people skills and other things that communication, what are some of the other things that you hold most important? Well, I think number one, we need to be committed to the mission and understand the mission and realize that's what we're there for. Understanding how we can best support the provost and faculty, for example, or, uh, and that takes some time to have, you know, build those relationships, understand what our common goals are, uh, support one another through that process. Um, Communicating has become increasingly more important and communicating information in a way that's digestible, which is not easy. Sometimes it's complex and, and are talking to a, uh, a range, uh, a range in the audience, if you will. So I also think, uh, trying to encourage fresh thinking. Uh, it's, and you know, when you've been here 31 years, you never say that's how we've always done it, right? And right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I've always tried to see things fresh through new eyes. And I think for anyone, a new CBO or one who's in the, been in the seat for a while, we have to be constantly asking ourselves, are there better ways uh, to do this? How do we refresh what we're doing? Um, and that makes the work fun. That makes work hard. But I think it is um, increasingly important. Um, the communication is needed with students, with parents, with trustees 
with faculty, with staff, um, and also external partners, um, you know, investment bankers, um, uh, rating agencies, um, you know, being able to tell the story of your institution, I think, um, is very, very important um, to some of these, you know, sort of technical competencies that we all must have. Right. Right. That's awesome. All right. Well, let's talk about your future. Um, you know, you, <laughs> how many, you got 30 more years in you? What, what we got coming up next? <laughs> uh, well, funny, you should ask. Um, I'm actually planning to retire from my current role on July 1st. Oh my goodness. And, uh, well, congratulations. I may, uh, I, I think I'll stay on for a few months after that to assist Puget Sound in some transition issues. Yes. It's been just such a, a privilege and a just a wonderful career to work in higher education and to work at the University of Puget Sound. But the time comes for all of us at some point, and um, it's brand new territory for me because I got my first job when I was 16 years old. I've not been unemployed a single day since. Wow. So, um, it's going to be interesting to kind of sort through what does retirement look like for me? I'm not one of those people who have the retirement plan all figured out. Um, I'm going to take a bit of a sabbatical period to, to kind of figure out what retirement might look like um, for me. And what's the, the big overarching theme you're going to tell your successor that's coming in what are you what are you going to leave them with? What's that sound advice you're going to say, okay, this is the thing you need to know as you step into this role? That's a great question. I think one of the most important things will be for that person to know they have a really strong team. And I just felt like having a strong team is foundational to get work done and doing it well. So I I would want my successor to to know the strengths of the leadership team that um, we've developed here. I'm sure we'll talk about all the projects that are part way and, you know, the, the, the areas of emphases um, going forward. But there's also wonderful partners in my cabinet colleagues as well. And those will be really important for a, a, C, a new CBO to nurture. They'll know that. They'll do that. But I guess it's the, it's, it, it's almost the getting the relationships and people figured out. And, um, and then I think folks have the competencies to, you know, then focus on the, you know, there's a strategic plan that has goals and objectives. We all focus on those. A number of other special projects in the work, um, that I just consider to be part of continuous improvement at, at a place. So. Those are just some of the things that come to mind offhand. I'm also, of course, keeping a list of all of the things I want to make sure I hand off and have in good shape. So uh, maybe in a couple more months, I have a more uh, a fuller answer for you. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's great. No, I think that's really good. And to to be focused on the team, because I I can imagine that sometimes people will come into a role and they'll try to do more than what they should and not utilize the people that's around them and to understand that that's what they're there for. So that's great advice for them. Thank you. All right. Well, there are any final points that you want to talk to us about anything or any special resources that you'd recommend our listeners to check out? Well, we all know um, that there are a lot of resources available for higher education. Um, 
The first stop is always uh, Nakubo. There's just a wealth of information there. But for HR, there's Coupa for technology. There's Educause for facilities. There's Apple. There's all these higher ed resources, AGB. They're great. I think people will know how to find them. But um, if I if I were to offer advice on resources, I, I might um, just suggest that um, we also make space um, to, to follow um, uh, the news and the economy more broadly. I happen to subscribe to Quartz. It's a, it's a news publication. It comes condensed and it keeps me apprised of business news and economic news. But what I love about it is it also provides articles about trends, say uh, job market trends or um, uh, trends that are happening in the economy that are sort of useful, that are useful for CBOs to be aware of because we need to understand what's happening for families who are trying to pay for an education. We need to understand what the job market is because we're recruiting in a very competitive job market for talent. And we don't have a lot of time in the day. So I think there are many options for getting kind of some condensed news. That's just one that um, has really worked for me. So um, point that one out. That's great. Well, thank you so much for just sharing with us today. Sherry, we wish you well on your retirement. And I know you're going to have a lot of fun. So oh, <laughs> yeah, thank you. I, I, I intend to. <laughs> good, good. You deserve it. So we just wish you so much, so much success as you move forward to your next uh, journey. So we appreciate your time, though, and sharing with us today. Um, you can find out more about Sherry Mondu in today's episode by visiting podcast at nakubo.org under professional development. Then click online education. Make sure you subscribe to CBO Speaks on Apple Podcasts so that you can get the latest episodes instantly. And on behalf of Sherry and myself, I want to thank you for joining us for this episode of CBO Speaks. Be well. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Susan Wheeler Johnston, President and CEO of the National Association of College and University Business Officers. You can find resources for today's episode, as well as a wide variety of research and tools at nakubo.org. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Mm -hmm.